Welcome everyone to Healing Hope and Restoration. I am your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And Howard, we made it into 2023 and we're entering into season two of our podcast. You know, it's so hard to believe, uh, you know, going back and remembering that I did four years on the radio. You did three of those years with me mm-hmm. uh, from 2013 to 2016, and then resurrecting uh, <laughs> the broadcast through a podcast venue. Uh, now, two years into that, yeah, wow. What what a flurry of activity, and what a joy it's been to do the broadcast. It has been. I think last year was really good, and I'm really excited about what we have to present this year. So... 2023, we ended the year, you know, talking about, um, you know, thriving, especially through the holidays. Yes. And, you know, keys to lasting change, as many people have probably embarked upon their New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we'd start this year um, with a series called The Fundamentals. And I thought we'd talk about foundational skills to basically be more healthy mentally, because as clinicians, we have a lot of tools in our toolbox that we use we fairly regularly to maintain our own mental health mm-hmm. and help spur our clients on in mental health. So we thought we'd share, you know, over several podcasts, these tools that will really help you focus on your mental health. Such a vital thing. Uh, as the mind and the spiritual heart goes, so goes the body. Yes. And so that's going to be such a strong emphasis for us here in the beginning of the year to try to help you who are listening to just uh, anchor into some things that are going to give you guidance and hope. Absolutely. So episode one, which we're starting today, if you're wherever day you're listening to, (laughs) but episode one is all about mindfulness. And mindfulness has been one of those topics that has been... Um, It's gotten a lot of attention over the past several years in our culture. Um, Mindfulness meditation, mindfulness in general, and we'll define some of those things, has been shown to be really effective in treating a lot of issues that we find ourselves dealing with on a regular basis. And although the uh, perceived origins of this um, goes back to um, Buddhism and Near Eastern thought, uh, there's a wider range of explanation for it. I, I think sometimes in evangelical Christianity and even in the general public, there's a, kind of an arm's length. We don't want anything to do with that. That's hocus pocus. It's crazy. It's not where I want to be. And so there's a prejudice toward it. Well, what we'd like to do in these broadcasts is try to help you to understand that not only is it a solid clinical practice, but it is also a biblical practice as well. Absolutely. And it's one of the few practices that's, like I said, been shown to be effective kind of across the board Absolutely. from, you know, helping manage some symptoms of addiction to anxiety, depression, excuse me, various things like that. So let's start with the definition. So one of my favorite definitions is, you know, mindfulness is about keeping your awareness in the current moment most of the time. It's about being present and aware in your life today. Mindfulness would say the past is the past and the future isn't here yet. Yeah, and so there's, in order to really lock down on that as a uh, mindset that you can embrace every day, there has to be a bit of openness involved. Um, 
I'm sure as we'll talk about, when we begin to judge ourselves mm -hmm. and then judge the environment around us, it's very hard to remain mindful. Uh, and uh, we'll flesh that out. But openness, being in the present, um, not getting too far into the past, and certainly not getting too far into the future, but maintaining that balance um, is so important to emotional and mental health. It definitely is. And I get the question a lot when I present mindfulness to clients, you know, what place does the past have and what place does the future have in our thinking? And, you know, what's happened in the past has already happened. We know this intuitively and we know it can't be changed, but yet we find our minds kind of wandering there without, you mm -hmm. know, much guided direction. And it's possible to learn from it, to reflect on it, or just to have a memory of it. But mindfulness would say, if you're going to spend time focusing on the past, then you do so on purpose. And I always tell clients, like, if we're going to go back to the past, we're going to do so for the purpose of our healing, not to judge or specifically to lay blame, but to gather things from it that we can learn. And the future, oftentimes the same way, you know, since the future hasn't actually happened yet, there is no point in excessively worrying about it. It's effective to plan for things that you know are coming. Like right. if you're going to go on a vacation or preparing to return to school or a new job, or move mm -hmm. those are things you know and you can plan for it it doesn't have to be a worry but trying to prepare for every possible scenario especially negative ones you may be anticipating that may or may not happen is worry and it takes you out of a state of mindfulness present awareness and when that does happen um, it becomes very difficult for you to apply enjoy both the mental and spiritual disciplines that normally you would be able to operate successfully with. Mm -hmm. It just robs you of that. Um, for example, with anxiety versus fear, um, someone defined it this way, fear sees a real threat, in which case my fight or flight kicks in. Yes. Anxiety imagines one. So the more imagining we do, that's not in the present moment and not grounded in the reality of what is, the more likely we're going to live in that world of constant turmoil. Yeah. And when you are living in a constant state of your fight or flight being activated by things that are not actually legitimate threats to you and potentially have a very, very, very slim probability of actually happening, you are exactly what you just said robbed continually you are you get big cortisol dumps into your system which consumes serotonin which is your brain's natural mood stabilizer so it upsets the chemistry in your brain it goes right to your gut and affects your gut health and now digesting food becomes difficult and you have an upset stomach a lot of the time mm -hmm. and now your frontal cortex is really kind of checked out it's not operating in that wise mind or mindful place now it is not i have to you know in in full disclosure i used to pass off my worry as good planning like oh, i'm mm. thinking of every you know possible <laughs> scenario that i can come up with on my own which typically were negative and i have an a plan and a b plan if none of those work i got a c plan so i'm prepared and i was very delusional <laughs> wasn't preparation i was worried constantly and it 
it took its toll on my body and I don't think I really realized how much it truly impacted physical things even my, like my blood pressure oh, which has been mm. uh, a battle and a fight for me um, that the Lord has just been so gracious in so it's amazing how we can you know miss those major things yeah we do and when we have a proper focus on um, reality and we're firmly grounded in what is in the moment, then we can begin to flesh out this mindfulness with um, meditation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a word that scares people <laughs> right away. Okay. I think people jump to the picture in their mind of the mm, yeah. legs crossed, arms folded, you know, transcendental going some other place. Yeah. And that's really not what it is. You know, the, the old Testament speaks of meditation frequently. Um, it's a principle grounded in our relationship with the Holy God. And the only thing that I think keeps us from, Effective meditation is our prejudice toward it in terms of all the false things we think about it. Mm. You know, I think if we if we define it as not emptying your brain, because that's not possible, (laughs) but defining it as a focus, like if you just took one verse a day and and you really focused on what that verse said. Not read it fast and check a box or some devotional meditation that means a lot to you uh, on any given morning or day, but just really focus in on what's in the text and begin to think about how that impacts your life. Now, Charles Stone, who does a really good job of teaching Christian meditation in a book called Holy Noticing, Mm -hmm. he talks about mindfulness and meditation in that book in a very, I I think, very astute way. He says, for most Westerners, we're not good at that. Mm. And he said, if you just take the time to not judge yourself, like you're concentrating on something and your mind wanders, oh, I got to go to Hy-Vee today, I got to pick up a prescription, I got to wash my car, I got to take the kids over here, I've got to meet somebody for a meeting. Let that happen. Don't judge it. Just let it happen and then come back to where you were. Mm-hmm. Now, that takes time, right? You can't do that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason I've had the practice of getting up before daylight for a lot of years mm-hmm. now is because I know with me, I can do that. My mind is busy. And so I'll be thinking about everything that has to be done. I'll be thinking about all the burdens I have for the people that I care about. I'm thinking about all the people I want to pray for. When that happens, I've taken his advice. I just let it go out there in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to where I was. Over time, you teach yourself to stay more with the verse, more with the meditation, and less with the distractions. Absolutely. I was listening to a um, science-based course on um, mindfulness by Ronald Siegel, and he said, you will not be aware of how mindless you can be until you try to be mindful. He said, so when you start the practice, he's like, basically, I'm paraphrasing, you need to give yourself some grace in it because it probably won't be easy initially, or you may not find yourself having as much success as you may like. 
No. And when you think about the, the basis of the scientific research on mindfulness, mm -hmm. I know they have found that in people of Eastern thought who practice this, um, their minds appear to be much healthier than the Western mind mm -hmm. relative to the development of the part of the brain that has to do with self-control and self-regulation. Absolutely. Um, that's huge. That is huge. So for the purposes of research, we have like kind of those two things, those two um, words that are used often together. We have, you know, mindfulness, um, which is a word, you know, really used to um, help us ba basically pay greater attention to the here and now and what's happening. And then there's also the mindfulness meditation, which is aimed at increasing one sense of kind of being present um, and really being able to, you know, tune in and focus on something very specific. Um, so I, I kind of just did a real quick search and the American Psychological Association really looked at can be like, what are the benefits of mindfulness? And because this term has been used so much, there are a lot of theories about what helps. And then there are also what studies have actually shown that it actually helps. And one of them I thought was real interesting is um, reduced rumination. Um, hmm. Clients who practiced mindfulness, um, there was reported decreased negative affect and fewer depressive symptoms and less, you know, rumination kind of rolling around and focusing on um, basically our problems. Um, they also had better working memory capacity, that short-term memory. Oftentimes, when I have clients wow. who deal with yeah. stress or anxiety mm -hmm. um, or depression, they will report that they have difficulty remembering things. Their recall is difficult. So, you know, your short-term memory and your working memory are used synonymously, and it's, you know, what enables you to work with what you have right now. Stress reduction, um, like I said, boost to working memory, focus, less emotional reactivity. Wow. Our whole society could use that. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. More cognitive flexibility. And here's one. Increased relationship satisfaction. Our ability to enjoy each other mm -hmm. increases significantly. And a lot of other benefits. Enhanced self-insight, um, morality, intuition, um, fear regulation. Um, mm. And a lot of other functions that they've identified. So basically what we're saying is, you know, there has been, you know, not just the research, but also, you know, scripture that very much so supports that mindfulness as a practice is beneficial for us. Yeah. While in the Old Testament, you have the word meditation actually used. I, I would uh, invite our audience to just do a Google search on the word meditation in the Old Testament and see what they come up with. Hmm. Most of them will probably be in the Psalms and the Proverbs, um, but, but they're there. To me, it's fleshed out in the New Testament in the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. When you read that, I remember one time a guy told me when I preached a series through that, he said, nobody can live that. That's not possible. And I was really kind of stunned at that because he'd been in the church for a while. But as I contemplated uh, his response, 
Yes, if your mind is busy, if you fail to take the time, if you don't think it through and you don't apply mindfulness, then spiritually it will look daunting because you're not just going to be able to wake up one day and do it. So, for example, when someone insults you, turn the other cheek. When someone persecutes you, bless them and treat them good. Love your enemies and pray for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of those. How do you do that unless you're mindful? Mm. Right? Because we all have feelings. Yes. We can't, we can't condescendingly feel like, ah, that's not really bothering me. Mm -hmm. that, that's denial. You know, when someone hurts us, we're hurt. Mm -hmm. Someone slanders us, we're hurt. Someone ruins our reputation, we're hurt. Someone insults us, that hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, someone mistreats us, we get emotionally distraught. Those things are real. So how are we going to manage all of those things? Yes, I know, Christ in me, the hope of glory, Paul said. But as I apply Christ to those moments... Mindfulness connects me, I think, to the power source I need to both feel the real thing that I'm feeling, yet not be reactive to it. Yes. Not be overwhelmed by it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think those are great examples because they're very real. And every last one of us on this planet has experienced it. And if you're like, well, I haven't, have. then like, as my grandmother would say, keep living. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> keep living. It will happen. Uh, so my, there's so many resources for mindfulness. You could Google mindfulness and come up with like 101 plus practices. And the great thing about practicing mindfulness is that, um, you can take anything that you do on a regular basis and make it a mindfulness practice because it's really about being present and aware in the here and now. And so as far as examples, you know, one of the like a mindfulness meditative practice can simply be tuning into your very breath. Right. And just the experience of breathing. It's great because, you know, if you're living, you're doing it already. <laughs> And so pausing for a moment and focusing on the experience of air as it, you know, comes in your nostrils, you know, you fill up your lungs, your, um, you know, diaphragm expands. And then that feeling that you get and when you exhale, you know, air passing over your lips, just tuning into that and how your body feels can be a really great place to start. So I wonder if... Um the technique or intervention we use called square breathing might be a way for people to start at this 101 level of experiencing that. Yeah. Okay. So what you do is you sit probably on a hard chair or dining room chair. You could probably do it in a, maybe a living room chair, but you um, put your knees perpendicular to your shoulders. You breathe normally. And then you take a deep breath, breathe from your diaphragm, not just your lungs. Uh, for men who obviously have never been through Lamaze and had babies, <laughs> uh, it helps if you put your hands behind your head and lean over the back of the chair. Then you're forced to breathe from your diaphragm. <laughs> and you hold it four seconds. And then you let it out as you're emptying your lungs. Mm -hmm. Getting all the way to the bottom of that breath. And as you pay attention to that, like you just described, you beautifully described it. As you pay attention to the nuances of that, you're practicing a form of mindfulness because that brings your parasympathetic nervous system 
back online if it's been offline. <laughs> that is huge. And again, your mind is not going some random place. You're tuning into what's happening in your body and yes. the here and now. That's the key. Yes. And so it's not some spooky thing. <laughs> no, no, it sure isn't. Another practice, especially for individuals who have, you know, maybe goals of perhaps eating healthier, just being more aware of even what we put in our mouth is mindful eating. And how oftentimes do we sit down for a meal? And I'm very, very guilty of this, so I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite. I'm eating something and I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. I'm watching TV. I'm, you know, perhaps oftentimes reading something or listening to something and, you know, food is a necessity. So eat it, maybe enjoy it and keep moving. But when was the last time you just sat and you just ate and that was it? Not even a conversation with someone else. You were focused mm -hmm. on the texture of your food, the smells of your food, you know, how it tastes. Um, were you actually enjoying it? You know, just tuned in. Are you full before you finish the bowl or finish the plate? Mm -hmm. Things mm -hmm. like that, tuning into that moment. It can be kind of eerie actually you know just to sit in that space it's a level of awareness that most of us don't practice mm -hmm. you know that just to add another term to this without attempting to complicate it is the idea that mindfulness is also awareness mm -hmm. i'm i'm aware of what i'm doing right now in the moment what i'm thinking what i'm feeling what i'm smelling what i'm hearing um it's all about being one with the moment mm -hmm. and whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, and especially with eating, you know, um, most of us just woof down food to get to the next thing we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so much like the square breathing, paying attention to eating in the way that you just described it is, again, another level to add to this idea of being in the moment being grounded, being still, and developing the skills to help you self-regulate. Mm -hmm. It's really a beautiful thing. It definitely can be. I saw in one of those practices a suggestion that if you take your three bites in and you're not enjoying what you're eating, you should just stop <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Tiffany, I came across this uh, definition of mindfulness meditation. I like it. It asks us to suspend judgment of the workings of the mind and unleash our natural curiosity about what is happening in the moment, allowing ourselves to be with each moment with warmness and kindness to both ourselves and others. I love that word, you know, no judgment and noticing. And I tell clients constantly, just get curious. Yes. You know, let whatever comes up, comes up without even seeking to change it at that moment in time. Simply notice. Yeah, that's noticing is the key. It really is. And when we say judgments, you know, you know, we're meaning like we label this as good or bad or, you know, other words that are just like that are labels that take away from us, you know, again, allowing it to kind of um, unfold because this gives you a space to be able to reflect on even what you're thinking, which we're going to talk about, you know, in a future podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so that 
we can see what thoughts are actually driving even how we're feeling and we can actually have greater management <laughs> over what we're thinking right. because I find that so many of us struggle with our thoughts because I really do think the battle is in, is in our minds oftentimes and that we um, oftentimes don't believe that we can have any level of kind of control over what we focus on. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from living at breakneck speed and not practicing what we're talking about. So where does it manifest itself? Standing in line at a box store, mm -hmm. driving on, on the highway, the streets of the city, um, having to wait for something. Uh, you're in a restaurant and you're having to wait. They're not just jumping when you sit down. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that this benefits us that keeps us from getting in turmoil. And generally, in those three instances I described, your turmoil isn't going to change the situation. Mm -hmm. In fact, you're going to exacerbate it and make it worse for yourself because you're probably going to embarrass yourself at some point. You're going to get upset. That anger is going to create turmoil within you. Mm -hmm. And others aren't going to buy what you're doing. They're not going to be okay with it. So it, it really can complicate life to not do this that we're speaking of. It uncomplicates life when we're able to put things in perspective in a moment-by-moment -moment frame of our living. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's well said. So, folks, you know, this is the beginning of a new year and we're embarking on a series called the fundamentals where we're just going to outline some skills that we have in our counselor toolboxes that will help you be more mentally healthy and the first one we talked about today is mindfulness and the practice of it and how you can practice mindfulness in probably the regular routines that you mm -hmm. have over the course of life you just have to be very intentional about it absolutely well, folks, thank you so much for uh, joining us today for this broadcast, and I hope that you will continue uh, to follow along as we take you through some basic fundamentals to help you start out your new year well. Absolutely. And we have so appreciated your support over um, 2022 and uh, look forward to continuing um, hopefully to receive that support and, like Howard said, to put out um, good programming for you in this new year. So as the signature sign-off is always, God bless and shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.